Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Nate Groot Nibblink. I'm the creator of Apples and Genos, originator of the Zero G Draft Strategy, and contributor to Yahoo Fantasy. In this podcast, I'm going to go over the most puzzling players league wide as submitted by the Apples and Genos Discord server. Let's get it. All right, we are live on YouTube streaming this to the masses or, you know, the five people that are here so far. But it's been great to have some interaction on these and have people join in live. Submit your comments. Let me know who you, your most puzzling players are. Any any questions you have, that's what I'm here to do tonight, along with to tackle these puzzling players as submitted by the Apples and Geno's Discord server. If you are not in the Apples and Geos Discord server, that's a problem that you should probably remedy quickly. You definitely can do that. Check out the show description, click the link, and get in there. And we'd be glad to have you. And you can get your puzzling players in for next week as well. All right. I'm going to dive right in. We've got some people already here in the chat. Toronto Dave's in here. Good to see you, buddy. Ciro's in here saying what's up. Glad to see everybody joining the stream here. Let's jump right in with Andrei Svechnikov. Uh, Svech, it's tough to say what's exactly been going on. Obviously, coming off a huge injury, uh, not one that you should take lightly. He's got a couple of assists in his last five games here, averaging just over 17 minutes. Has been skating on what I guess you would call a second line uh, with Kakenyemi and Martin Natchez. Still solid line mates, although obviously you'd love to have that Aho exposure at even strength. The bigger problem has been that Svechnikov hasn't been on the top power play for a little bit now. Don't really know whether to put a lot of stock into that or not. I feel like Svechnikov should find his way back there. You do see the underlying numbers uh, a little bit confusing to kind of parse here. 164th in shots per 60 over these last five games, but 28th in individual Corsi 4 per 60. So the attempts are there, uh, but he's not hitting the net and not getting to dangerous areas. 187th in individual scoring chances 4 per 60. On ice numbers, good on the Corsi 4 side, 38th in Corsi 4 per 60, but not not so great on scoring chances for 153rd there. So a little bit uh, odd. And he hasn't scored a goal actually this season. Uh, nine games hasn't scored a goal yet. So not exactly what you were hoping to see from Svechnikov. A lot of people drafted Svechnikov thinking that he was going to be back to start the season uh, with no issues. That obviously was not the case. And it seems like it's taking him a little bit of a while here to really take off and get going. I do think that... Uh, like, if you get off of Svechnikov right now, I think you're going to regret it. I do think that eventually he'll find his footing. If you, you know, it was an ACL injury with Svechnikov in the knee, and if you follow football at all, oftentimes this will happen to running backs, and it'll take some time when they first get back. They're not uh, fully confident in their range of motion and everything just yet, and take some time for them to feel uh, 100%, even if their body is, is all the way healed. Sometimes it takes a little while for the mental side to come back. So I'm not discounting that that could be a possibility here with Svechnikov, but really what I want to see uh, is for him to get off, get 
some Aho exposure, you know, either on the top power play or at even strength. Really, I would prefer the top power play. So I still think that Svechnikov is probably a buy low. Um, but, you know, it's pretty hard to feel excited about going to do it when the underlying numbers are not terrific. They're okay. Um, definitely not something that you're super scared of. But just 17 minutes a night is not getting tons of minutes. No one in uh, Carolina typically does. So all that to say, I think you just got to kind of hold on to Svechnikov as distasteful as it may be at the moment. I think if you drop Svechnikov, you're really going to regret it later on in the season. Trondelia says, hashtag zero G. We'll get to some of that in this episode. Don't you worry. Patrick saying, hiya. Batherson has picked up a little. Definitely interested in what I say about Terry. Terry is definitely coming up. We've had a lot of interest in talking about Troy Terry. Uh, we did talk about Troy Terry uh, in relation to Jared McCann, Blake and I yesterday. I'll dive in a little bit deeper here in the episode today just to talk through what I'm seeing from Terry. Ciro says Fetch is slacking. I don't know if he's slacking necessarily. Like the shot attempts are there. That part is good, but definitely needs some better deployment, some more minutes, and needs to probably get some confidence back after coming back from the injury. Ricky's saying he did get a goal called back the other night. Still not ideal for sure. Uh, Nix is saying Zero G's killing me and not doing myself any favors either. Dropped JoJo right before he went on a two game W streak. Yeah, you definitely zero G is not for the faint of heart. You've got to, you know, know when to hold him and know when to fold him, I guess, a little bit. Um, but definitely, I do think that, you know, I've I've posted a lot. I've written articles. I've done podcasts. There's a lot of my work out there on the strategy and why I think it is the best strategy for goaltenders in the vast majority of leagues. So. Uh, I'm not going to dive into uh, much zero-G strategy here right now, but I definitely think that there are going to be more goalies out there. So don't don't give up, you know, not even a quarter of the way through the season here. Don't give up. Stay stay vigilant for sure. That's one of the one of the aspects of doing zero-G is you got to stay vigilant and find those goaltenders who are going to take over and who are going to provide you that value that you need at the goaltender position off the waiver wire. So definitely stick with it. It's early in the season yet. I know it doesn't feel like it uh, if you've got some losses piling up in the early season, but it is still early and things will turn around. There will be more goalies coming up that you'll be able to pick up. All right, I'm going to keep rolling into the next player here, which is John Carlson. Two assists in his last five games, still averaging almost 27 minutes a night. But the underlying numbers have not been good here. He started out hot and then has really cooled off in the last little bit. To be fair to him, Washington as a team has really cooled off in the last little bit as well. But John Carlson just 120th in shots per 60, 96th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60 amongst all defensemen. Those are usually metrics that he shows out very well in. So that's a little concerning. And then the on-ice numbers, 127th in Corsi, 4 per 60, 154th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Not what you wanted to see from John Carlson uh, in this stretch here. On the season, pacing for 49 points, definitely not what you wanted to see. Although Carlson did come at a relative discount to at least my projection for him in your drafts this season so relative to where you probably drafted him he's probably not been absolutely terrible but definitely the last stretch of play here is a little bit concerning I think that we have to be a little bit of 
have to exhibit a little bit of patience with a guy of John Carlson's caliber. I think that Washington has gone through some ups and downs. They started very cold. They kind of came back up for a little bit of a stretch and now have gone cold again. It's been a bit of a roller coaster ride there. And Carlson has mirrored that effect to some extent have to remember too this is a rookie head coach that they've got there Um, definitely going to be some bumps along the way with a rookie head coach but overall I do think that in the end a guy of John Carlson's talent uh, that's going to win out it's not like this guy had a bad season last year he was just injured for a portion of it Um, yeah freak injury don't expect that you know there's any injury concerns moving forward with John Carlson there. Obviously the Capitals don't have any concerns or they wouldn't be playing him anywhere near 27 minutes a night. So overall, like where are you going to find a guy playing power play one with Alex Ovechkin who's playing 27 minutes a night? Like those guys don't just grow on trees. Yes, the underlying numbers are concerning, but it is a small sample size here still. I'm going to be holding on to John Carlson for you know, at least a couple of weeks beyond this to see where things go from here. If he continues to just not be able to produce in the underlying numbers, then yeah, I'll start to get more and more uh, concerned. But this little five game stretch here that we're talking about, uh, I'm not too concerned just yet. Would I buy low on John Carlson? Having said that, uh, yeah, I think I would, to be honest. Uh, I think that Carlson's expectations going into the season were the lowest they have ever been, basically, for this player in the last like five years. And so I think that maybe this is starting to confirm some priors for some people who, if you didn't draft them in your league, then probably the, the person who did draft them drafted them drafted John Carlson fairly late in their league. Um, And so I would be interested in at least kicking tires on John Carlson and seeing what his value is in your league right now. Some more comments we have here. Zero says, I want zero G got Talbot off the wire and Ingram doing great. Yeah. And that's the power of it, right? If you do hit on the guys, then you'll be doing great. And you just have to keep firing bullets. Uh, That's something that I talk about too. You got to keep firing bullets, find these guys who are in good situations. Cam Talbot, prime example, not a guy that anybody was expecting to have a huge year, but he gets into LA. LA has been playing terrific in front of him, and that leads to great fantasy success. Steve is in here asking Dubois versus Line. Who's winning in the NHL and who's winning in fantasy hockey bangers leagues in that trade? That's an interesting topic. Obviously, Dubois has since moved on from Winnipeg, so it's not even like <laughs> it's not even like the Jets really uh, got their full money's worth out of that trade. But you know, in terms of who I would take today, I think Line is definitely the more dynamic offensive talent. You haven't seen it really so far this year, obviously, but uh, just in general, I think Line has more offense to give. But I think Dubois probably impacts the game a little bit more when he's at his best. Both definitely kind of mercurial players, guys who seem to be a little bit of a roller coaster ride in their own right. And, uh, but yeah, it's hard to argue from an NHL perspective with the center who can play at a very high level, at least even in stretches. That's a really, really valuable thing. Um, in For fantasy and bangers, um, probably still leaning Dubois, but um, yeah, I think Line A does have more upside, so... Uh, all that to say, I'm not. It's going to be tough to be in on Line A right now. We did touch on Line A a little bit in the episode yesterday, but obviously getting scratched there—that's a big deal. Uh, what does that mean? I I honestly think like 
it's going to be the coach who's gone if anything's going to change in Columbus. They've got to string some wins together here quickly or else things are going to change there. Like they're going to be basically forced to make changes. And I honestly think it's the coach who's going to change um, if anything does happen. I don't think anybody's taken line A or Goudreau or like any of those big moves that you might think they could make. Uh, those are huge contracts. I don't see those moving, especially with the way that the early season has gone there. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think there are brighter days ahead for Line A, but um, it's really tough to be rostering Line A right now. His ice time has been on the decline, as you might expect, given the lack of production. Uh, I think he just needs, maybe he needed this uh, this game off to get the reset. Maybe, uh, you know, Pascal Vincent is uh, some sort of genius that we don't realize yet. It's hard to argue with how bad the results have been on the ice so far, though. It doesn't seem like there's much of a system in place in Columbus. Elvis Merzlikens playing his heart out every night, uh, but getting absolutely shelled, uh, which is tough to see, especially given the acquisitions this offseason pro Rob Severson it seems like they really focused on the back end there and still have been unable to kind of meld it all together into some sort of cohesive defensive strategy or offensive strategy for that matter so far Kevin says Kaprizov versus Kyle Connor going forward that's an interesting discussion obviously Connor has been terrific um tied for the league lead in goals at this point with Austin Matthews, but I still, it's hard to get away from Kirill Kaprizov for me. He is on this list. Kaprizov is, and we will get there eventually, but obviously, uh, Pretty hard to argue with the 10 points for Connor the last little bit versus the three points for Kaprizov. I will say that overall, I think Kaprizov, like you look at this in his last five games, Kaprizov ranks first in the league in on ice scoring chances for per 60. So his points are coming. I have no doubt of that. Uh, I think the ceiling is higher for Kaprizov, but would I be shocked if Connor has a better year this year in particular? No, I would not. Um, so it is kind of tough to say exactly where it's all going to shake out to. I will say this 106 point pace for Kyle Connor does look fairly unsustainable. 85% IPP, 20.3% shooting percentage, 12.6% on ice shooting percentage. I think that he regresses back down is probably somewhere in the 85 to 90 point range for the rest of the season as a pace. And I do think Kaprizov can get back up to a hundred point pace. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I'm making the trade in one direction or the other at this point. They are probably relatively equivalent in my eyes in most respects. If I had to pick a player to score the most points the rest of the season, I think I would still pick Kaprizov, though. That may be a little bit of a hot take for you, but that's the way I feel. L. Adamson says, I went 0G, was 50-50 between Markstrom and Hill. I picked Markstrom, FML, LOL. Markstrom's actually been trending up the last little bit. Hopefully you hung on to him this long, and now you're starting to get some of the good Markstrom. So uh, hopefully that's good. Blake's just jumping in. What are your thoughts on Dallas's new lines? Yeah, it's very interesting. So just came out uh, not that long before I started streaming here. Jason Robertson is now on a line with Wyatt Johnson, Evgeny Dodonov, and Jamie Benn is up on the top line with Hints and Pavelski. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a demotion for Robertson. It's pretty hard to cut that any other way. It looks like a demotion. 
Um, but you know, I think in the end, they're probably going to roll the, that top nine fairly evenly with how well the Sagan Duchesne Marchment line has been playing. Maybe they're just trying to spread things out, get Robertson rolling a little bit more even and see what they can, if they can find some more chemistry in other ways. It's not a bad idea overall. I doubt it'll last, to be honest with you. They've run the Robertson Hints Pavelski line with so much success over the last couple of years that, um, I think it's probably a blip in the radar. We'll look back at it at the end of the season and hardly remember that there were a few games there where Robertson played with Johnston and Dodonov. That's my take there. Turnabree says, any thoughts, hold or drop? Boldy, Norris, Terry, Goss, Despair, Ekblad. That is a list for sure. Uh, I'm probably dropping Norris of that group, and I'm definitely holding on to Boldy. I think brighter days are ahead for him for sure. L. Adamson agrees with me there. <laughs> Michael says, looks like John Hockey has regressed back to Johnny. That's it's clever, Michael. I'll give you that one. Matt says, do you think it would be tr worth trading Kaprizov for Robertson one for one? I kind of feel like that again. You're talking about a bunch of left wingers here between Kyle Connor, Kirill Kaprizov, and Jason Robertson that are probably all going to end up in roughly the same spot at the end of the season. Um, I don't think I would trade. I don't think I would trade for Robertson. Robertson uh, just gets the little bit of a ding where he never gets the time on ice that Connor and Kaprizov get. So he has to be very efficient. He has been very efficient last year. Uh, was very efficient you can see he's got six points his last five games it's not like he hasn't been producing here the last little bit but if i had to uh, make a trade i would not trade caprizov away to get robertson right now Zero says someone in my league trade away dry cycle to acquire stamkos is that reasonable uh, i do not think so i would take dry cycle 10 times out of 10 there kyle says is ingram a good rest of season goalie to hold uh i would say there are possibly like one or two goalies that I would consider a good rest of season goalie to hold. The rest uh, are on notice with me at any given time. But I mean, I'm in with Ingram. I picked him up today. He was dropped and I claimed him on waivers, spent some fab to acquire him for this week. And we'll see where it goes from there. He has been playing really well and you can't take that away from him. It wouldn't shock me if he was, you know, the zero G story of this season, the way that Philip Gustafson was last year or Stuart Skinner was last year. That wouldn't shock me in the slightest. So I'm in on Ingram for the time being, but I'm not comfortable with Ingram in by any stretch. Justin asking, where do you think Patrick Kane would fit in best? Um, it's a good question. Um, I would love to see him in Buffalo. It would add some punch uh, to the top six there, I think, uh, a way that would probably help them out. Uh, yeah, I think that would be my my top spot if I had to pick. I don't think he's going there. I, I honestly don't know where he's going to end up, um, but that would be my pick if I could just uh, arbitrarily choose where he ends up. Ian asking, would you trade Svetch for Meyer in a categories league? I'm going to assume bangers categories. Um, honestly, that's probably a wash between Svechnikov and Meyer, just with the hits and everything that they both provide. Meyer, sh uh, it's tough. Meyer should theoretically have more upside, you would think. Uh, he's got three goals in his last three games here, but obviously injured right now. Uh, the latest I saw is that he's not even expected to come back for Wednesday's game. It's a little bit concerning that they already know that he's not going to be good for Wednesday, uh, but hopefully he's back shortly after that. 
Uh, the last little bit, the numbers have been pretty good. 22nd in shots per 60, 5th in individual Corsi 4 per 60, and then 11th in individual scoring chances 4 per 60. So that looks good. He was doing that without the benefit of Jack Hughes or Nico Heischer, so that's also promising. I think Meyer probably has the bigger ceiling overall. Um, uh, but I do love me some Svetch too. I think probably you just feel safer with Meyer, honestly, uh, assuming that the injury is not something that lingers. So I might wait a little bit to hear what's going on with Meyer on Wednesday and see if they're expecting him to be back sooner rather than later. Uh, yeah, just don't feel comfortable with Meyer's situation right now, just given that they've already come out here on Monday and said that he won't play Wednesday. Seems like it's a little bit more serious than maybe we were led to believe early on. Ricky says, as someone who has both guys, uh, Svetch and Meyer, slight edge to Meyer because he's been scoring, but otherwise it's kind of even. Feel similarly, yeah, I just feel a little bit safer with Meyer at this point, given the early going for Svechnikov. All right, jumping back into it, I do have Matt Boldy on the list here. You can see, like, Matt Boldy is doing everything he can. 62nd in shots per 64th in shot attempts per 61st in individual scoring chances 4 per 60 over his last five games. 12th in Corsi 4 per 60, 2nd in scoring chances 4 per 60. The points are coming for Matt Boldy. If anyone out there is willing to sell you their share of Matt Boldy for a song, then I'm absolutely all in on acquiring Matt Boldy right now. Biggest buy low uh, on this list probably is Matt Boldy right now. If someone is looking at him like he's not what they expected just one goal in 10 games so far this year i am not concerned about matt boldy whatsoever i think he's a stud and i think he's going to be a point per game player from this point onward matt boldy point per game player from this point onward november 20th 2023 book it i'm calling it right now we talked about line a so i'm not going to get back into that one too much but yeah, I do think that there are better days ahead. It's hard to blame someone for dropping him right now if uh, they're worried about what's going on in Columbus. I'm worried about what's going on in Columbus. Uh, but if you can hang on to him, you know, Columbus does have a good schedule coming up, not this week, but the week after. And, you know, we talked about it in the waiver wire show. This is a week where you can kind of hide players because you're probably benching players on the super heavy nights Wednesday and Friday this week anyway. And so line A sitting on the back end of your roster is probably not hurting you that much this week um, so if that's the case for you hang on to him for this week look at it as an investment in your week eight with that good schedule and hopefully he takes this week to get himself untracked and you're feeling a lot better about him for that great schedule Mika Zibanejad is on this list. Just one assist his last five games. We talked about Mika Zibanejad a fair bit, me and Blake, yesterday. So I'm not going to go into too much depth here. We'll just say that this is a little bit odd and concerning. Uh, he's never really had numbers this low. He's gone very, very cold in the underlying stats here. And that is concerning to me. Um, yeah, I'm still monitoring it. Um less considering him a buy low than someone I'm watching. I'd like to see the underlying stats tick up before I consider him a buy low. Um, probably, you know, Zibanejad is one of these guys who's given us um, multiple seasons of really, really solid production. And so I'm not that concerned like long-term about it, but how long does this go on for? Am I really buying at the lowest point and it's going to take him, you know, another 10 games before he really starts to heat back up? I don't really know. Is he playing with an underlying injury we don't know about? Um, also possible. So all those things combining, I'm just going to wait and try to see at least a couple games back-to-back, -back, you know, where he has a four-shot game followed by a five-shot game. Then 
then, you know, I'm like, okay, uh, Zibanejad is finding his way back and I can be all in again. Until that point, though, I think I'm just a hold on Zibanejad. Definitely not dropping him. Definitely not selling low on Zibanejad. If I have him on my roster, I'm riding it out. But um, also not super interested in acquiring him at this point right now. Troy Terry here. Um, also a player we talked about yesterday, Blake and I, so go check that out. But um, just want to delve in a little bit more on Troy Terry. I think that Zegris being out is kind of hurting him. Uh, usually Troy Terry is a guy who can drive things on his own and just you're not seeing that in the underlying numbers right now. That's concerning for sure. The ice time has decreased uh, kind of commensurate with his decrease in production. So that's concerning as well. Overall, it's just bad vibes with Troy Terry right now. I'm trying to hang on to him for sure. Again, it's a week where you can probably hang on to guys who are not performing and give them a few more games to right the ship here. And so that's what I'm trying to do with Troy Terry because I do believe in the player. He's shown he can be a really efficient player and produce. Uh, you know, Anaheim hasn't been uh, hasn't been great the last couple of years, but Terry has been able to produce. And so I do think that this is a really good player overall, but he is definitely not feeling it right now in a, the mid of a pretty bad slump uh, the Ducks kind of need them to get on track because they're starting to trend downwards as a team you know Mason McTavish can't do this all on his own every single night so they need him I feel like it might take uh, some more mix mashing of the lines maybe McTavish Terry um, you know Kalorn could be a line that gets going or even Vetrano McTavish Terry could be a line that gets going for the Ducks we'll see what they roll out uh, over the next few games here Overall, yeah, despite the terrible underlying numbers, I am still trying to hang on to Troy Terry just because I believe in the player that much. Joseph Wall was a popular request in the Discord server. I think the Leafs are in a position right now where they're just going to roll out whoever's winning them games, whoever's playing well at the moment. Samsonov has played a little bit better the last few games, and so I think he's bought himself, uh, you know, some more good grace there. Wall has kind of trended in the opposite direction the last little bit. He did pick up the win uh, against the Wild there on Sunday, so that's good news for him. So I think honestly right now, the way that I view this is just an even split between Wall and Samsonov. Definitely think that Sheldon Keefe has shown that he'll go with a hot hand though. Did that with Samsonov last year when he was out playing Murray when both were healthy. So I do think that that's definitely a possibility. Basically, I view Joseph Wall as, you know, a little bit like Connor Ingram, to be honest, uh, where, you know, you look at the schedule, you think that it's probably going to be an every other night, uh, you'll get the other goalie, they'll just alternate goalies every other night, unless someone really starts to play poorly, and someone really starts to play well. And so I'm just going to look ahead at my week and say, okay, based on the schedule, I'm assuming that Joseph Wall is probably going to get two games here. Okay, based on the schedule this week, and who started the last few games, I'm assuming that Samsonov is the guy who's going to get two games this week. Maybe there's weeks where they both get two games, most likely, if the Leafs are playing four games that week. That's kind of how I'm going to view it. I'm going to take a look, see if I think they're going to get two games that week. If they are, then I'm definitely interested because the Toronto net is a great place to be. The Leafs have really cracked down defensively over the last little bit, the wild game not with, notwithstanding, where they did give up some chances. Um, but Overall, I think the Leafs are still providing a pretty solid defensive environment to their goaltenders, and obviously we know that the Leafs can score. They're going to win some games, so I think that Wall and Samsonov are both uh, really interesting if they do get dropped anywhere in your leagues, and I would be interested in weeks where I think that I'm going to get two starts out of either player. 
Pavel Menchikov has gone a little bit quiet, uh, just one assist in his last five games now, averaging under 19 minutes, young player obviously here, 28th in shots for 60, 73rd in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60 amongst defensemen through this cold stretch, 49th in Corsi, 4 per 60, 40th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Did have a nice four-shot game on Sunday. Um, but definitely uh, the trend is not as good as we might have hoped. So there is that to say for it. Um, and, you know, is he going to stay on the top power play? That's always going to be a question for a rookie defenseman. Right now, I'm still interested in holding and rostering Minchikov unless there are really, really good options out on the waiver wire. In most of the leagues that I'm in, you know, the defenseman waiver wire is pretty bare. So uh, it's not really a uh, thing I'm even considering to drop Minchikov for any of the, you know, uh, bottom of the barrel types that are out there on the waiver wire. So Right now, I'm pretty much holding Minchikov. He's demonstrated a really high ceiling already in short bursts to start the season, and that's exciting, but it does seem like the Ducks are not really going to let him loose and give him, you know, a full complement of uh, minutes here and get him, you know, up north of 20 minutes. That's going to mute his production. Just being on the Ducks is going to mute his production a little bit. So, um, yeah, it's a situation I'm continuing to monitor. Right now, his underlying stats are good enough that I'm willing to hold him. And as long as he's on the top power play, basically, I think I'm going to be willing to hang on to Minchikov because I do think this is a really talented player with a lot of upside. And, you know, if things go well, you could see him creep up in the ice time and you could see him be a really valuable piece. Uh, but, you know, if there's if somebody, uh, you know, goes out and drops uh, Seth Jones, who we're going to talk about here, then, you know, maybe I would make that. That swap and go get Seth Jones. Ricky's asking, in a 12-team Cats league, who do you hold for the rest of the season between McTavish and Zaka? Eventually, one may have to be dropped when Tage Thompson is healthy. It's an interesting question. McTavish has continued to exceed my expectations, uh, has gone a little bit more quiet the last little bit. Seems like, uh, yeah, the team has gone quiet and McTavish has been held down a little bit. Saka's underlying numbers really bad on the individual side. 318th in shots per 60, 249th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. But the on-ice number is terrific. 49th in Corsi, 4 per 60. 9th in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Uh, yeah, you can you can get that if you're playing alongside a guy like David Pasternak for sure. Now, Zaka does have a goal in the game tonight off a sweet feed from Pasternak. So you're always going to be in that realm with Zaka as long as he's like they don't really have anything else Charlie Coyle is not going to be the guy on the top line it's going to be Zaka the vast majority of the time so that's nice I think that McTavish has more upside but Zaka feels a little bit safer um you know, it would honestly probably be a little bit of a flavor of the moment kind of situation um I don't think I have a strong take between the two at this very moment. I think McTavish is playing better, but Zach is in a better situation. And so I think that probably, you know, you average out all the things to the end of the season and they probably end up in about the same place. Roughly 60 point players is how I view both of these guys for the rest of the season at this point. McTavish, yeah, is the guy that I think has the most upside, but Zaka, again, has that terrific deployment. So a uh, really tough one for sure. Definitely you're thinking on the right track to be wondering what you want to do between those two. Kyle asking, who's the most droppable, Schwartz or Norris? Do Drake Batherson and Sam Bennett have a lot of upside this season? Um, 
Schwartz is playing the game tonight, and then after that, he's probably not fitting into your lineup for the rest of the week. You know, Josh Norris probably not either with just the one game this week. I'd rather drop Schwartz than Norris. Uh, Schwartz has gone pretty cold after being really hot. Uh, just like flicked the switch and went to sleep. It seems like I did Jaden Schwartz right when I picked him as my streamer of the week uh, in the head-to-head streamer death match against Blake. So thanks for that, buddy, uh, Jaden Schwartz. Uh, maybe that's maybe that is emotionally clouding my judgment here, but I would prefer to drop Schwartz at this moment. Uh, I think Norris has probably a bigger upside in Ottawa. Ottawa is a really good offensive team. Norris seems to be, um, you know, a guy that they want to have on the top power play when everything's running smoothly. So whether or not that continues to be the case all season long is up for debate, but he has been there pretty much. Uh, consistently all season long been pre- playing with Brady to Chuck as of late that's a good spot for him so all things being equal I would try to hang on to Norris and I would let Schwartz go there between Batherson and Bennett I think both do have upside for sure uh, talked a little bit about uh, Bennett and you know this opportunity with Barkov out, he's going to play a bunch of minutes. Uh, I don't know. I haven't checked out to see if he's maybe got into any of these goals that Florida's been scoring here tonight. It looks like, no, nothing tonight so far, despite three goals for Florida. Uh, but definitely, I think that uh, Bennett has upside for sure, especially if you're in any kind of bangers where he's going to do that. He's definitely a big-time hitter. And Batherson, I think, has really solid upside. Definitely a guy who's high on in the offseason based on his underlying numbers and his opportunity this year. So I think both of them do have solid upside. I would give Batherson the edge between the two. All right, let's get back into the list here. Seth Jones, who I mentioned, uh, just two assists in his last five games, but skating almost 27 minutes a night. He does that. 49th in shots per 60 amongst defensemen through these five games. 95th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60. He plays on Chicago, so you know the on-ice numbers are bad. 160th in Corsi, 4 per 60. 171st in scoring chances, 4 per 60. On the season, Seth Jones has 0 goals in 16 games uh, with just 7 assists for 36-point pace. Yeah, I think the underlying numbers here suggest that he probably has a decent bounce back in him. He should be, the IPP should be a little bit higher, and definitely he's going to score some goals at some point here. But yeah, it's definitely a terrible situation in Chicago. You can see it holding down the talent that is Connor Bedard at times as well. And so Seth Jones is not going to be a guy who lights it up, absolutely. But I think he's a pretty safe bet for, uh, you know, at least 40 points, probably 45 points. And he's going to give you some bangers stats along the way. So uh, I think Seth Jones is probably who you thought he was. He'll probably go on a little bit of a mini heater somewhere, get four points in five games. And then, you know, he'll be kind of Right back to where we thought he was going to be at the start of the season. So I'm not too worried about Seth Jones overall. His role is really secure there. There's no one coming for his minutes. So I think that Seth Jones is exactly who you think he is probably. Tyler Bertuzzi, definitely a guy that's trended up over the last bit. The underlying numbers here, immense. 10th in shots per 60, 24th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, 36th in Corsi, 4 per 60, 22nd in scoring chances, 4 per 60. Gets to ride William Nylander's coattails on even strength. 
16 minutes plus average time on ice the last five games, five points in those five games. Now just up to 39-point pace on the season, but definitely turning his season around at the moment and benefiting from the hotness that is William Nylander and John Tavares. Uh, Don't forget about how well he's been playing in the early season. My thing with Bertuzzi is no matter how well he plays, he's probably never going to be more than this. Like He's never going to be more than a point per game at any stretch. Even to get to this point, he had to have an 83% IPP. He's not going to be there uh, in most cases throughout the season, plus a 12% on ice shooting percentage, which is pretty high for a guy who's not on top power play. So all things told, I think Bertuzzi... He's definitely demonstrating uh, some really good numbers here, and maybe that's a higher ceiling than I originally thought for him. You know, maybe it's a 65-point ceiling for Bertuzzi this season instead of, you know, I thought he was probably going to be more in the 55-point range on the year just because of the role that he's kind of forced into here. Overall, I'm happy to see that Bertuzzi is producing and producing well under the hood as well. But I do think that this is not a player with, you know, elite upside, point per game upside uh, from this point onward. Ciro says, I believe the trade in my league that transpired dry settle for Stamkos was gross. If you were commission, would you veto that trade? I would not veto that trade. I'm pretty anti-veto unless it's like... um, Pretty much collusion is the only reason that I'm willing to veto a trade where, you know, there's some backhanded deals going on where, uh, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Money's changing hands behind the scenes, things of that nature. Um, If someone's just playing the game poorly and they're undervaluing their star in Leon Dreisaitl, you know, that's their prerogative. They get to manage their team. You can't control how other people in your league manage their teams. If you want to get in on that, then you should be talking to all these people in your league who you think are undervaluing their stars and you should be offering them first. Uh, You probably have a player on your roster who's very equivalent to Stamkos in most respects that you could have offered for Dreisaitl and gotten that deal done first. Uh, But you didn't and the other person did, so that's better for them. Uh, to be quite honest. And so I'm not in favor of vetoes unless there's clear collusion going on. Jordan Cairo is the next up on the list. Four points in his last five games, averaging just over 18 and a half minutes per night in that stretch. 101st in shots per 60, 157th in individual scoring chances, four per 60. On ice numbers, 117th in Corsi, 4 per 60, and 82nd in scoring chances, 4 per 60. On the season, just a 48-point pace for Kairou, which is not ideal for sure. We're expecting more from Kairou. Definitely a guy who has shown the ability to put up shots in bunches. And you do see like the shot attempts for 60 is still up there at 55th, so he definitely is still exhibiting that ability. And on the season, he's still 33rd in shots per 60, so it's just this last little stretch. On the season, 63% IPP, 6.8% shooting percentage. That's coming up. 8.1% on ice shooting percentage. That's going to come up. Uh, it's fair to wonder by how much in St. Louis. That's is not a team with a ton of offensive talent. You have Thomas, you have Buchnevich, you have Kairou, and then it really falls off after that. All things told, I think that Kairou definitely 
well, I won't say definitely, but probably does not have the ceiling that I envisioned for him this year. But I do think that he's going to have a pretty solid season when all is said and done. So that's my take on Cairo. I think, you know, maybe a 65 point pace is maybe a little bit more reasonable uh, from this point onward, but still plenty worth rostering and plenty worth holding even when he gets a little bit cool from uh, uh, time and again. Shane Gossespear has three points, all came in one game in his last four games here. Did get benched for a game in there, which is not a great look, but in the games that he did play, averaged 21 minutes, so go figure. Ninth in shots for 67th in individual scoring chances, four per 60 amongst defensemen in those four games, so getting it done when he's been out there. On ice numbers are okay, 56th in Corsi 4 per 60, 44th in scoring chances 4 per 60. On the season, he's on pace for 21 goals and 62 points. That would obviously be pretty strong numbers from a guy like Gossespierre, 55% IPP, 12.9% shooting percentage, and 11.9% on ice shooting percentage. He's definitely on the top end of all of those metrics, but not by an incredible amount. If he continues to get 21 minutes a night and not closer to a season average, which is just below 20 minutes a night, um, then definitely I think he's got a ceiling towards 60 points as long as he's on the top power play and skating 21 minutes. I do think he has that ceiling. Gossip Spear is your prototypical offensive defenseman who doesn't play a terrible amount of great defense. So that's always the question with Gossip Spear. And he doesn't provide a lot of peripherals, so he's kind of in that classic you know, Tyson Berry, John Klingberg mold where if he's not scoring points, if he's going cold, then you're like, man, what am I doing with this guy on my roster? And then he scores three points the next game. You're like, oh, I love Shane Gossespear. So know what you're getting into when you roster these players. If you don't like to roster that kind of player, then trade him when he's hot and get somebody who, you know, is a little bit more consistent game to game and you feel a little bit better about <laughs> rostering. Uh, but overall, I think Gossespear is still pretty solid and I would expect him to be north of 50 points for a pace for the rest of the season. Evan Rodriguez on the list here, three assists in his last five games. And no points here on the three goals, uh, four goals now that the Panthers have scored so far. But uh, Rodriguez has definitely cooled off in a big way. 189th in shots for 60, 246th in individual scoring chances for per 60. I think that, you know, this is just what Rodriguez does. He goes hot. He takes a lot of shots always a very low percentage converter has never entertained a high shooting percentage for any length of time so rodriguez is a streamer uh plain and simple right now playing on a line with nick cousins and kevin stenland like you should be dropping evan rodriguez uh, that's not a place where you can go to score fantasy uh production of any kind so yeah i would definitely be dropping rodriguez uh, has been off the top power play for a little bit here they have a ton of options that are far more talented than evan rodriguez in florida even with barkov out so i'm not anticipating that rodriguez will trend much better from here on out Kaprizov we already talked about. I'm a big proponent of buying on both Kaprizov and Boldy from Minnesota. Better days are coming. The underlying numbers suggest that both of these guys are ready to break out. Kaprizov hasn't been getting the shots, but the uh, shot attempts are still there. I, he's going to break through, folks. It's going to happen. I'm not worried about Kaprizov or Boldy whatsoever. Go out and grab them if their current managers in your league are panicking whatsoever. We talked about Meyer, so I'll move on to Georgiev. Georgiev is an interesting one. Was hot early on. 
um, then kind of cooled down and has just kind of been okay, I guess is the best way to describe it. Um, yeah, I think that Georgiev is still, you know, he's a guy who's going to see an incredible amount of volume on the season once again for a really good team in Colorado. I still think that he's probably a... Um, yeah, probably a top five goaltender for me rest of season. Um, you know, it's an 890 save percentage. That doesn't feel good, but the results as of late have been much better. I say that as, uh, you know, they're at the end of the first year against Nashville, so maybe he'll let in six goals in the last two periods here and, and make me out to be a liar. But um, three wins in a row before this allowed one goal, two goals, three goals. Um, I think that Georgiev is fine. You know, the Avalanche have been playing much better the last uh, few games here, been limiting the chances against, which is kind of actually holding down his save percentage in an odd way. Uh, so I think that the numbers look worse than the situation is for Georgiev. And I think that he's probably, yeah, I think he's still a top five goaltender for me rest of season. Dubois is the last player on the list from the Discord server. He has three points in his last five games here. Uh, the average time on ice is a little bit skewed because he did leave a game there um, uh, and then came back the next game. But yeah, that game he only played 12 minutes, 33 seconds. So that skews the ice time a little bit. But yeah, 14 minutes, 15 minutes, 16 minutes, 17 minutes, it's in that range uh, through the last little stretch of play for Dubois. Underlying numbers are not that great, especially considering that LA has been pretty good. 159th in shots per 60, 146th in individual scoring chances, 4 per 60, and then 128th and 121st in Corsi, 4 per 60, and scoring chances, 4 per 60, respectively. On the season, he's got just a 46-point pace. I didn't have a big projection on Dubois this season because I kind of did think that, you know, the Kings are going to do what the Kings do, and they're going to split the split the lines, split the ice time um, pretty evenly throughout that top nine. Once again, they're splitting it even more evenly, I think, than uh, even I thought. But uh, yeah, Dubois, I think, is a good player on a really good team that doesn't need him to play really big minutes and to score a ton of points, and so I don't think he will. I think he's probably probably like a 55-point player rest of season is where I'd probably put him. Um, yeah, if that's good for your league, then go ahead and get in on Pierre-Luc Dubois. If that's not what you were hoping for, then maybe you want to trade him if he gets on a little bit of a hot streak the next little bit here. Kyle's asking, speaking of Boldy, who would you target him with? That's an interesting question, one that I'm willing to entertain here just before I close things out. So let me do this. Let me check out the rostered percentage on Yahoo for Boldy and see who else is around there that we might be interested in moving off of. So Boldy himself is rostered in 87% of Yahoo leagues right now. Let me scroll down and see what we can find in the 87% rostered range. So you've got guys like Frank Vitrano is 87% rest, uh, rostered right now. I'd absolutely trade Frank Vitrano for Matt Boldy in a heartbeat if I could do that. Travis Konechny, that's an interesting one. Konechny has scored a bunch of goals. Been a little bit unsustainable uh, with those goals, but definitely shooting a lot. That's an interesting one. I think I would take Boldy there rest of season, to be honest with you. But definitely an interesting one. Another player, let's see, Mark Shifley, 86% rostered. Shifley's another interesting one. I think I would go Boldy, um, if only for the left-wing, right-wing eligibility. 
Nico Heischer's in this range. Obviously, he's going to come back, definitely taking Boldy there. His teammate, Matt Zuccarello, is 85% rostered, taking Boldy there. Philip Forsberg is 84% rostered. That's a pretty interesting conversation. I think if you're in a Cats league where Forsberg's elite shots and pretty good hits really move the needle for you, then you're taking Forsberg. If you're in a sheer points league, might lean back to Boldy, to be honest. Yeah. So there's a few names that you could potentially target Boldy with. If you can package a couple of people even lower than that to go up and get Boldy, you know, if you can package some guys who've just gotten hot and, and gotten rostered in a few spots, like if you can package, I don't know, um, Jamie Ben and Martin Nietzsche, if you can package those two guys to go get Matt Boldy, absolutely. In a heartbeat, I'm doing that move. So a uh, few ideas for you out there. Um, toss those around, apply that to your roster, however you can. But those are some ideas for how you might be able to get Boldy on your squad. All right. Well, if you made it this far, if you could leave a like and leave a subscription, we're trying to get to a thousand subscriptions on YouTube this season. We're over halfway there, uh, which is pretty awesome. Definitely. There's been more and more people hanging out. We've seen, you know, over 20 people throughout the stream here tonight, which is awesome. Love to see the interaction and love to answer questions for you guys live here. So definitely leave us a like and subscribe. That really does help us out. Get us in front of more people to get even more subscriptions moving forward. So if you've enjoyed this content, that's the best way to give back. And definitely check out the Apples and Geos Discord server so you can get in your puzzling players for next week. I'll be doing this again every Monday, 8 p.m. I'll be going live here talking about puzzling players. So get into the Discord server. Watch for me pinging everybody to drop their puzzling players for this episode each week and get those puzzling players in. Uh, that's going to be it for this episode. Hopefully it brought you some value, helped you get a little bit better at fantasy hockey today. All the advanced stats you heard today came from Natural Statric, which is a terrific free resource. Many thanks to the band there there for supplying the music for the podcast. Be sure to check out their Spotify as well. And that's it, folks. Much love. <laughs>